This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 56. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now, your host, Kristen Trumpy. Today I have Nathaniel Boyle with me, who is an avid traveller and podcaster over at the Daily Travel Podcast. Nathaniel, welcome. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Your goal is to motivate people to travel. Why is that important to you? Ooh, why is it important to me or why do I think it should be important to others? Um, I It's important to me because, oh, man, that's such a massive question. Uh, it, it would be easy for me to say that place that I'm from, my country, which is the United States, is, is we're not well-traveled enough. I think the statistics uh, show that, but I think that there's growing interest. And so if you can kind of nurture and foster people towards the exploration of, of other cultures, of different, different people uh, that will foster a more peaceful attitude towards the rest of the world, I think that matters. But that's on sort of a, a bigger scale. Uh, I like to focus more on sort of the individual's uh, benefits of traveling. I think there's a lot of personal development uh, that is waiting for you uh, should you step outside of your comfort zone. And nothing can deliver those results faster than traveling. Ooh. So since we're a psychology podcast, we like a little bit of evidence. So can you back that up with examples, please? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, I, have a, I have a story that I like to tell and I'll tell it as briefly as I can here so that it doesn't go on for 10 minutes. <laughs> but um, uh, I guess when I was traveling there, I was in New Zealand and I was on the, this town called Akaroa, which is a little French town uh, east of Christchurch on the South Island. Uh, it's a little sleepy fishing port, but it's within a volcanic caldera. So uh, it's flanked by mountains that wrap in a circle around this uh, circular bay. And I was hiking up the mountains, and I, it was absolutely empty there. And there were sheep, and there was me, and there was nothing else. And I remember I spent like an hour up on top of that mountain, and it just sort of allowed me to be myself. Um, I remember I was listening to music, and because I was alone, I could just kind of like you do maybe when you're in the shower, out in like a field, I was just singing, right? Like in, that's not something I do. And so I was kind of like, this is interesting. I'm, I'm not. I'm very much being myself, but I'm not doing the things back home that I allow myself to do. You know, I kind of restrain myself uh, socially. And then, uh, so I was in sort of this, perhaps this unlocked state of free thought and free expression. And so then I'm walking down the hill, right back down towards the town. And I get, I distinctly remember as I'm walking down, I begin to hear this music in the air and it's a very bizarre sort of jazzy music with a bassy voice. And I remember getting down to the, this fork in the road and i know that sounds cliche but i can't it it, it really it, lit it literally was a fork if i went left it would have gone back to my inn and i would have gone back i probably would have had dinner maybe hung out with some people and gone to sleep or i could go right towards the direction of the music and for whatever reason because i was in this unlocked state i started going towards the music and what that did was that led me to a gate on the other side of which there was a sign that said welcome to tree crop farm i hopped the fence and again this is not something I would do at home. This is you don't walk onto someone else's property. You don't just follow music. You don't you don't do these things. And I know maybe listening to me say this 
makes it sound crazy. But in the state that I was in, which was in this sort of mindset of an explorer, open to new possibilities, uh, less afraid of the sort of social expectations that are defined by you back home, uh, I stepped over, wandered through this field, and, and went right up to the back door of this farmhouse. And I walked in, and I ended up, to cut the story kind of short, ended up befriending the owner of that place, who led me through her house, made me dinner, uh, introduced me to her son. Uh, we spent the night together eating by the fire. It was, an, it was a truly magical, unforgettable night, but not one that I would have ever discovered back home and occurred only because I'd chosen to follow the music. What do you think made you follow the music on that particular day? It was just a willingness to make the decision that I normally would not make. Um, and it's not the decision that I would have made at home. And so I think it's really important as an example of, <clears throat> of, of the, the sort of benefits of getting outside of your comfort zone, of developing the courage, developing the curiosity to seek these experiences so that you might begin to exercise the things that are more difficult to do back home in the routine, like your imagination. You know, I wonder about this comfort zone discussion because what you just said was that actually you did the stuff that is really you. You did the stuff that when, what you do, what you would do if you're not constrained. So what I wonder is maybe your comfort zone is actually more when you, when you, with your travel self than your home self. Um, can you explain that a little bit more? Sure. So you just said that basically what you said, or if I understood correctly, was basically you were on this field, you were being yourself. You were truly like expressing things you usually wouldn't express because of other people for social reasons. But now you felt comfortable enough to express them. And they were actually, you talked about that as you. It sounded like a very authentic you that was coming out at that moment. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, Kristen. I love that you just picked up on that. That's really cool. So I think the idea there is that this was a big moment for me, I think, in my life. It was, it's, just, it's sort of just another day. It's a hike that ended up meeting someone, someone very strange and uh, made for an amazing, one of the best dinners of my life. But the fact is, is that um, it's, it's, it's that I was comfortable with the sort of freedom, um, leaving for a year to go around the world with a limited budget, no plan when you get home, quitting your job, giving up on, on the things that, you know, you are, well, not necessarily giving up on them, but at least delaying the things perhaps that you're chasing back home to go out and take a year for yourself, it's, it's kind of a scary thing. And you have to be comfortable with this notion of being <clears throat> unplanned. It's almost like skydiving, right? Like you have to want to jump out of the plane. And very few people actually want to do that. It's a, it's a vast minority that actually desire to go skydiving. And when you do take that initial leap out of that plane, I can tell you from experience, <laughs> That feeling of free fall, that sensation that there is nothing beneath you. There's no water. There's no net. There's no rope. There's no bungee that's going to catch you. It's just you and nothing. You have to, the, that feeling is amazing. And, and you have to, it's very uncomfortable and you have to accustom to it. 
So you do become accustomed to it. And once you get kind of comfortable with the free fall, that's when you can open your eyes and look around. That's when the flight begins. That's when the amazement of skydiving happens. It's not in the initial terror. That just wakes you up. It's, it's once your eyes are open that you can look around and really appreciate it. And I think that I can tie that into what we're saying here is that once you, travel helps you to become comfortable with being unplanned. With being unplanned. That's what the, you said? Well, the last yes. word. Okay, yes. I'm unplanned. Unplanned, right. yes. Okay. Um, you, well, there's this debate in the psychological community that, you know, negative mm. emotions and experiences um, can actually be beneficial in terms of that they can have um, functional reasons that they can in inspire us or make us do stuff. And something unplanned sounds for a lot of people like something negative. So I was wondering, can you relate to that? Or would you say that unplanned is maybe not a negative emotion or this whole idea that, you know, these things that we try to avoid commonly, like boredom, getting lost, all of that. How does that relate I, to travel? And do you think it makes you a better person somehow? Or I, I would I would definitely side on this. And this is my personal experience. And I, I bet that the debate stems from differences in individual in the way we process things right but my personal experience has been that my travels when i started were not unlike anyone else's like i wanted to map out everything i wanted to know exactly where i was going to be what days what flights what hotels what hostels where i was going to stay that night but after mm, let's say uh, a couple months living in new zealand which is a really easy place to sort of learn how to backpack to learn how to freewheel to to learn how to become unplanned and not worry about that uh i you know i realized that i can rent a car and just drive it until i find the town that i want to stay in and i find the inn that you want to stay in and they're gonna have a room for me and it's gonna be okay you know I, I so many times in new zealand i was forced to move on from where i was and find and find some way to get by and after a while, I became so confident in doing that that, yeah, I don't know, I would do crazier things. Like I would pitch up, pick up hitchhikers or, um, uh, you know, I would uh, just begin to say yes more because I found that when you say yes on the road, you're, you're more likely to find these unforgettable experiences. But the unforgettable experiences are usually the ones that are fraught with some difficulty. They're fraught with risk or danger or... Um, Maybe they're just magical. Maybe they're just wonderful and comfortable. But it's uh, it's much more common to me to have an experience uh, that I never forget if I'm in some place of danger. I've spoken to con artists multiple times on streets, like been approached by them and had conversations with them because either they wouldn't leave me alone or I knew exactly what they were up to and I was actually a little curious. But, you know, in Paris, in Istanbul, multiple times in Istanbul. I love that city, but that's been interesting. And um, <clears throat> where else? Uh, it, it, oh, in, in uh, uh, Kuala Lumpur, uh, a guy sat down next to me. Uh, actually, a beautiful woman sat down next to me while I was uh, at the KL Tower, which is a, a landmark in Kuala Lumpur. And she sat down. She just started talking to me. And then this guy came up to me uh, after she had sort of uh, broken the ice. And he sits down next to her and, you know, like takes her hand and kind of like makes it obvious that he's her boyfriend, but then starts talking to me about, hey, where are you from? Oh, you're from Boston? Oh, my daughter wants to go to the University of Boston. Hey, you should meet us at the street corner tomorrow at 11 in the morning. 
And I'm like, what is the game here? And I just sit and I talk to this guy and have this interesting conversation. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then after a while, it's like, all right, I'll see you later. I'll see you there tomorrow at 11. And then, of course, I don't go. <laughs> but the fact is, is that I, I, um, I became more comfortable with having these experiences because it's almost as if the aperture of the mind opens. And to me, it's like, it's not, maybe it's not necessarily about finding the good or the bad. It's just finding the memorable. It's just finding those, those experiences that I can draw from later on. And I feel like I, because I had that, Kristen, I can, I can go to Istanbul and I can pick up on when, you know, a couple guys start chatting me up at a bar and offer to buy me a drink and then, you know, want to take me to one of their nightclubs. I can pick up on the fact that that nightclub is going to be in on a scam and I'm going to end up with a thousand dollar bill. And I mean, it's maybe that's a good example of a negative experience helping you uh, discern another negative experience in the future. I mean, isn't that, isn't defense, isn't fear, isn't, aren't those things not necessarily bad? No, I, I relate to that a lot, but I feel that, and I feel that way as well, and I've traveled a lot as well, so I, I can completely picture what you've been describing. The thing is that I, I've noticed that a lot of people do tend to look at things as if they were polar opposites. So, so I'm I'm glad that you kind of elaborated on that, and um, I noticed that you talked about a lot of qualities. So, um, number one, it made you feel more self confident. Um, it made you, it made you actually approach a difficult situation with curiosity instead of just you know, bam, your amygdala is yelling at you to run away. Um, it has brought out a lot of strengths in you, I noticed. So I was wondering, can you, have you noticed that in your daily life back home? I think that's definitely true. For one thing, <clears throat> taking a year to go and travel in my mid-twenties <clears throat> was a very informing thing to do. You know, I mean, I think I returned not only in love with travel, not only in love with, with um <clears throat> seeing new things, being addicted to new things, but also having the confidence to, to go out and see what else I was capable of doing. You know, I didn't know if I could jump out of an airplane. I didn't know if I could uh, meet strange or share, a, you know, a train car with uh, Siberian travelers across Russia. That intimidated me before I left. Now, I, I would take the Trans-Siberian over and over and over again, and I'd introduce myself to how many, to, to everyone I could, because that train is... This, it's this amazing journey and the people are so warm. But before I did it, I, I had no point of reference. And so it scared me because I didn't understand it. Um, so I think that, yeah, there's now back home, it's like, uh, it's hard, Kristen. I mean, I think it's, it's really hard to maintain the person that you rediscover on the road back home, if that makes sense. Because you have a definition of who you are back home. Everyone else around you has a definition of who they expect you to be, who they want you to be. And sometimes I think it's important to go out to some far-flung place in order to sort of remind yourself of who you really are. So that if you can find that kind of an experience on top of a mountain where you're not socially restrained in any way and you can say, oh, here I am. This is the real me. I think that's a really cathartic moment. Uh, I don't think one trip is going to make you better. I think it's a habit that you need to build into your life if you want to have the momentum of a creative imagination. Nice. A travel habit. So 
what kind of habit do you envision? Like, let's say it's someone who has, who's working and they might only have anything between two and five weeks per year. What would you suggest to make the most out of it from the perspective of personal development kind of? That's a really good question. So I would say, I think I see a lot of people choosing the destinations that they want to go to by seeing what's within their sort of comfort zone, like where they, that's sort of a cliche term at this point in this conversation, but they, they're not looking to challenge themselves with their travel. And I think that a lot of the time, uh, I, I, I want to tell people, like, listen, like consider places that you're not thinking about going. And if you're not curious about some of these places, but you want your travels to work for you, uh, sometimes I suggest people look at uh, their interests and where their interests exist elsewhere in the world. So maybe you're a fan of, I don't know, Japanese animation. I bet there are a lot of Japanese animation, not just in Japan, but in Germany or in conferences around the world. And you can go to these places to pull yourself into new environments and, uh, and accustom yourself to the things that scare you a little bit more. Does this make sense? I'm kind of being a little abstract. No, it does. It makes a lot of sense. Please continue. So it's, it's really just about going to the, <laughs> take, if you only have like two weeks, that's not a lot of time. In fact, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's a real shame. I mean, the fact that society would stifle itself in that way. I mean, here we are sitting and talking about the personal benefits, the creative benefits, the, uh, the, the effects that it could have on your imagination and, and you're in psychology. So I'm sure that these could be debated or studied forever. For me, I accept these as truth. Uh, because it's my personal experience. Uh, to, for, for society to stifle that by only giving us two weeks, that's really a tough pill to swallow. So I would say that if all you have is two weeks, I think the common habit is for people to plan and plan and plan and cram as much as they can into those two weeks. And I would say consider a different approach. Consider going somewhere that is maybe not on your list or maybe it is on your list, but it's that challenging place. It's Kilimanjaro or it's Machu Picchu or it's a trek somewhere. It's, it's the W circuit in Chilean Patagonia. You know, I mean, maybe it's that, that thing that you want to do, but you're not doing it yet. Go and do that. See how that feels. I just, I love for people, for me, it's like, it's less about optimizing what limited time you have, but instead going out and doing the thing that you want to do uh, above all. Okay, so you have interviewed over 200 people for your podcast. Have you noticed any interesting patterns emerge in the context of living a full and meaningful life? Mm, that's a, these, these, some of these questions are so big and so interesting. Um, I, you know, I've been noticing a lot of patterns in stories. And one of the things that I'm loving is focusing on people and their journeys, their, like their life journeys, <clears throat> and really like zero, zooming in on the resistance that they're met with at some point before they made the change. And the change is usually what led them to whatever it is they're doing now that has brought them on my podcast. That might just be that they're like, <laughs> you know, like a travel entrepreneur, or maybe they're a a uh, travel writer, or maybe they're a digital nomad, you know, or maybe they're an adventurer and they just walked across Antarctica. Um, 
I would say, can you repeat the question? If you've noticed certain patterns um, in these people that you've interviewed in terms of living a full and meaningful life. So in the resistance, if you focus on that, you begin to pull out the sort of unique thing about each individual person that that was that was that separates them from everyone else that, that that's the reason they made the decision that nobody else around them could make you know what i mean i mean somebody came on my show and said i asked them you know why did they uh why did they feel this this need to travel and they were like well i'm, I'm from ohio and it was like is that is that enough it's like well no, no that's not enough <laughs> i mean it's one thing for you to tell me that you're from ohio and that you were bored with your home but it's another thing for for you to be the person that actually makes the makes the decision to go out and travel and live in Vietnam and do the things that other people either don't want to do or don't decide to do even though they dream to do it. And so focusing on the, res- the sort of resistance leads to that unique qualifier for different people. So I think in the grand habit of people struggle with making that decision about like living a big full like there's no secret mystery there, right? Like this is a unique independent journey that you are on. It's only your journey. It's nobody else's. So what is it about you that wants to make this, this, this change in your life? Like focus on that because that's what sets you apart from everyone else. That's what makes you unique. And that's why you have to go because you can do it because that's your thing, right? Like that's your reason. Um, that's your superpower. And I think that, that that has fascinated me more about this rather than saying oh, you know, 150 out of 200 of my guests have, um, I don't know what, they all are adventurous eaters as kids or something. Like, that, that, to me, that, that's fine. That's a statistic, but it's much more helpful for when people send me emails and they say, I love your show. I really want to I really wanna travel more. I'm working on doing that. How, how can I get started? And it's like, well, I'm going to write you back and be like, what's your situation? Who are you? And where do you want to go? How can, if someone hears this and they are thinking, yeah, sounds good, how can they get to what are the kind of questions they could ask themselves to understand their situation? Because to be honest, when I listen to you right now, I thought, I don't know if there's anything special about me back, you know, like, I don't know, when I started traveling like uh, 16, 17 years ago, um, I just wanted to go. and And I think what what maybe what makes me different from a lot of people around me now actually kind of came into being probably even through traveling so i'm not sure i had that answer before i mean i think that if you zeroed in i bet that we would find something i bet that if you're listening to this and you're not thinking that you have a uh, something that's particularly special i mean that to me is i would say you're wrong <laughs> which is kind of a, a bold statement to make, I think. But I just, I find that, you know, I grew up in uh, creative environments. My mother was a painter. My father was an entrepreneur. I studied the theater. I studied film. I work with actors a lot. I love uh, encouraging people to explore their curiosity and their creativity. And when you work with actors, it's like, a good actor is just making a lot of bold decisions with confidence and that confidence comes from a director uh telling them what's working well and telling them to explore that further 
because we could all use a director in our life doing that, right? Like we're trying, let me try this. And someone's like, that's working. Do more of that. That would be great. Uh, the, the, a good director, I think, comes to a script or a performance with the whole thing in mind. But he's also open to the sort of unique brilliance of any given actor. And I think that almost everybody I've ever worked with has had something unique to bring to the performance that I could never have thought of. They are able to relate in a way to the material in a unique way. And, and, and I think that, I really think that that's sort of, there's an inner br brilliance or an inner genius that can be induced from people by good directors. And so anyways, I'm kind of making an abstract comparison between uh, the theater and, uh, and, and travel or life or being a unique person. But I think that if you are, uh, if, if you can really kind of just give yourself a little bit more credit and, and uh, uh, listen to the signs that are telling you to, to go out or to, go, to, to follow that thing that you feel like you need to be doing, uh, I think that you can begin to build confidence by trying. It's just that most people don't try. Okay. So I remember... It was, I think, a travel photographer or a travel writer. I'm not entirely sure who it was. who said there's this thing called a travel mindset. I think it was a travel mindset, a travel, like an eye for travel, kind of to go through that in your daily life. And what he meant was to basically see the wonders in front of you when you're, when you're going about your daily life. Now, before um, you said that this is hard. But do you have any tips for people still on um, how to kind of take that traveling mindset and hold on to it for a little bit longer? Yeah, that's it is hard. I mean, it's really hard. No, I mean, to be to be curious amidst uh, a new environment, surrounding yourself with new things when you're traveling. It's easy to be curious. It's easy to learn. It's easy to pick up on things and feel more alive in those moments, because when you're surrounded by the new it's sort of the aperture of the mind sort of opens, it widens, it takes in more information and then that that's, attention is the mother of memory, right? So, but when you get back home, that doesn't happen half as much. And when it does, it's even less sort of uh, foreign. So you're not in that sort of state of absorption. Uh, so I do think that having, the, like trying to carry over that mindset into life, it's, it's sort of an impossible thing because that mindset, it fades when you're not surrounded by new things. But you can build a habit of curiosity, I think. And so, for instance, let's say you like, I don't know, beer. Let's say you like coffee. Let's, uh, these things, there's a lot of things in this, in, in this world that most people aren't paying attention to but uh, offer a lot of rewards if you are able to slow down and begin to try to take in more information. Um, this takes a, a lot of work. It's, it's sort of when you're traveling, it, it, it's catered to you. It happens automatically. When you're home, it doesn't happen automatically. So you have to sort of work for it. But there are a lot of rewards out there uh, within uh, just about anything that you want to dive into, that you want to research, that you want to ex experientially research, I mean. I don't mean like pick up a book and learn about about coffee. I mean, go out and try different terroirs, right? Try different roasts, try different preparation methods, become curious about the different tasting notes that exist and why they do. Why does a fermented coffee taste like blueberries, etc.? 
these things, I think that you become more curious about the world the more you go out into it and you begin to learn more about yourself uh, inwardly the more you travel externally. And so I think that if you can begin to sort of create that feedback loop of curiosity and exploration, uh, that might begin to cycle into the sort of normal behavior of life. Uh, for me, I traveled for my first time out of the country when I was five. I turned six in the north of England uh, in a castle that my mother had acquired through a home swap. And uh, it was an unbelievable environment for someone to be that agent, right? Like it was childlike wonder on amphetamines. It was like, I mean, castles aren't something, Kristen, that American kids uh, ever get to see, ever. I mean, th so all of a sudden, here I was, and I'd been reading stories or been told stories of kings and queens and castles and knights, and it was all this fantasy. It might as well be like S Star Wars. And here I was in England, and there were suits of armor, crumbling stone walls, rolling green fields, and these things that I don't have back home in Massachusetts. And it gave me, I think, this impression early on that magical worlds really do exist for us to go out and explore. They don't have to be in far-flung places. You know, they can be in the landscapes of our own backyard. That is so beautiful. Let's, um, unless you have something else that you would like to tell us, um, let's leave it at that. Mm. No, that's good. All right. Thank you very much, Nathaniel. Thank you, Kristen. It's really nice to chat. I actually really enjoyed your questions. This is a fun, a fun conversation. I, I, uh, I wish that I, I could be more prepared. Not That's nobody's fault. I just, uh, I, I love psychology and I love the, the, the kind of conversation of it. So when you asked me to come on here, I was like, oh yeah, definitely going to do it. Cool. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. So if you've listened up until now, my guess is that you might probably also enjoy Nathaniel's podcast. So go over to www.dailytravelpodcast.com and check him out. He has some really inspirational people. Like, for example, one of the last episodes was with Kasia Slavner, who's a 15-year-old who traveled to Mozambique, Tanzania, Thailand, and South Africa, I believe, to do a documentary. So, yeah, he has amazing guests. And if you like travel and inspiration, check him out. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt. <laughs>